Hello and welcome back to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. I'm your host, Miles Dawson, and today I'm very happy to welcome Mayanna Colding to the podcast. Hello, Mayanna. Oh, hi, Miles. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good thing. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, great to have you here on the podcast. Um, I wonder if you could give our listeners a quick overview of your core coverage at IDC. Yes, yes, certainly. Um, so until recently, I led uh, the services team uh, researching in Europe, and um, but uh, I've changed my role a bit uh, from the 1st of January, and now I'm the executive lead of uh, our Western European Digital Transformation Practice, but I'm also part of our future work uh, thought leadership practice that we have as well. And then I think, in addition, one thing that might be interesting here for, for what we're talking about today is that uh, probably over the past 15, 20 years that I've been with IDC, uh, I've worked on several projects around uh, skills, ICT skills. Um, and we've done a lot of work for the European Commission, for the Irish government, um, uh, several IT vendors that are focused also around this topic. And I think that's quite important for, for this particular topic we have here. Absolutely, because of course the topic we're here to talk about today is actually one of my favourite topics to talk about. I have a lot of clients in this area and it is the future of work or the workplace of the future if you prefer. It's all about the way that human-machine interaction is changing the way that human beings interact with work. So um, it's a pretty common topic at the moment. It seems to be everywhere. The pr- it's all in the press and the government is starting to talk about it a lot as well. So why is that? Why is it so um, ubiquitous at the moment? Well, I think we're kind of like in the middle of a, a perfect storm, if you will. At the moment, the uh, technology uh, changes and uh, and the performance of computers, the performance of the network. Um, if you look at it, for example, back in the old days, in 1981, when IBM came out with the PC, it had like 16 uh, kilobytes of, of uh, microchips. And now we're talking 16 gigabytes easily, right? And for the same cost. You know, so so you can see there's that there's microprocessors, of course, that have changed dramatically, like in millions of times uh, improved in performance as well. And then, of course, there's the networks, uh, the communications, the way we can much easier uh, more, and more stable uh, communication across the world, uh, and all these coming together. So then now we have cloud, we have artificial intelligence that's actually enabled by this, uh, because like the neural networks that we need for artificial intelligence wouldn't have been possible without this in- massive increase in performance. And then, on top of that, then there's the realization by all organizations that they really need to do something to change. They need to embrace all this new technology. And this is the digital transformation trend. So, so that is all in its, it coming together in a perfect storm, as I call it. Um, you know, according to some of our research in IDC, um, last year in April, we ran a survey and it showed that about uh, 89% of European organizations actually have digital transformation as part of their corporate strategy. And that's quite amazing. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are a long way away, uh, mm. ahead in terms of actually implementing mm. but, uh, they, but, they, knowledge, but they know that they mind. have to. Yeah. And there's three things, three strands to what they're trying to do. One is about looking at how they can improve the customer experience for, for their customers, mm. outward facing. Uh, one is like how they can actually change their products and their services to build in digital technologies and, and to deliver something new to the market. But the third one is operational efficiency. And that's really where we come back into the future of work and looking internally at what we can do better. Absolutely. So is this just the physical workplace we're talking about here as the future yeah. of work or are we talking, is it a wider scale issue? I don't know. I think it's a much wider scale issue. And um, technology, of course, is changing what we can do and, and how we can do things like these podcasts, for example, we probably <laughs> couldn't have done 10 years ago, right? Um, so, but I think work is no longer really associated nearly as much with 
so like a, sp- a specific place where you work mm. because of course we have the technology now that we can work from almost anywhere at any point of time uh, and so and I see we really kind of prefer to talk about workspace rather than place because place sounds a bit like you walk in right mm. and that's like that a, we're not like, anymore like a cubicle or something like, like a cubicle yeah, yeah. exactly and, and we're not that anymore right, right. And, and that, of course, like, because you can do all of this, that influences the way that you uh, actually, like your culture around work, uh, when you work, how you work, how you collaborate. Mm-hmm. And, and people will have to get used to working in a different way and uh, more fluidly, more virtually. And we're seeing that more and more, of course. And, and this really requires a, a totally different approach, both from the people, but certainly also from the leadership in the companies of what they think is normal working behavior if you will so the work culture is is huge and it's not just about working from home right because we've actually seen that there's been some companies uh, that have been starting to pull their people back into the office again because they felt that they got too dispersed and mm. they lost some of the culture so the culture you can only get if you let people work remotely but you can collaborate and you can communicate efficiently so there's that whole aspect that's really important. And that really leads me to the third element in this, um, and that's the workforce itself. Because we're seeing massive changes. I mean, we all know that the generation set are sort of starting to come into the, the work, uh, uh, the employment uh, area now, or to the labor market. But there are also a lot of other new colleagues, and that's really the interesting one. You, you talked about, about it in the, in the introduction that you gave, Miles, but, uh, you know, this is probably what's grabbing the attention at the moment, and that's the intelligent technologies uh, the, that will be working side by side uh, with the other colleagues and, mm-hmm. uh, and taking over some of the stuff that humans have done before. Yes, now this, this is where it comes into what we've been reading in the media about the cognitive AI question, which of course links with robotic process automation. So, I mean, the question is, are we all going to be out of a job by 2025? That's the big question. Well, you know, if you listen to all the scaremongers, you mm. will certainly think so, right? Mm. There's a lot of uh, information that's kind of coming out and, and a lot of uh, statistics that people are throwing out there about how, how bad it could be, you know. Mm. Uh, the Bank of England, for example, has come out with um, some estimates that uh, robotic automation uh, will eliminate 15 million jobs from the UK economy uh, in the next 20 years. So that's a lot, right? Uh, but on the other hand, if you look at a study that uh, Deloitte uh, did on automation in the UK, that showed that although uh, 800,000 lower skilled jobs have been lost in the UK over the past 15 years. There's actually been three and a half million higher skilled jobs that have been created. Mm. So I think also if you look at, and this is important because then you see like this, the switch from lower skills to higher skills. So uh, McKinsey did a, a global survey of executives that found the majority believed that they would have to either retrain or replace about a quarter of their workforce by 2023. Uh, because of digital and mm. because of their, their efforts to digitize their business. So so that really thinks, you know, like the, the retrain and the reskill is really important. Let me throw in some other um, predictions here from IDC because, of mm. course, we have our own thoughts about this as well. And we think that in the next five years, up to 20% of European workers in knowledge industries and in knowledge intensive roles, I guess I should say, We'll either have like a bot or a smart agent or another piece of cognitive software working alongside them as a co-worker. Mm-hmm. And this will drive up productivity by 15%. So, so I think um, the importance is really how you actually apply the technology mm-hmm. um, and, and how you apply it in a way so it benefits, of course, your organization. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise you wouldn't make the investment, right? But I think you also have to think a little bit 
bigger than that and think about how it also improves the work environment. And now we're back to talking about future work, right? Mm. But also the societal impact that it could have. Um, so therefore, back to the reskilling and retraining programs, those are going to be hugely important and, and play a massive role, I think, in the future. Because when you think about this, a lot of organizations that are also at the same time screaming for some other types of talent. So we now have a really good opportunity to actually take these people that may otherwise look as if they would be out of a job and retrain and reskill them. Uh, so I think that's really kind of a no-brainer, right? So Absolutely. And, you know, we have actually been here before. Uh, if you think back, just like, you know, history always have a tendency of repeating itself. So um, Klaus Swope um, calls what we are going through at the moment the fourth industrial revolution. So you can see where I'm going with this about the industrial revolution. And Bryn Johnson and McAfee, they call it the second mach machine age. And I think we can just call it digital revolution personally. So um, I think the, the important thing here is like what you can do about being ethical about like how progress is made. So I think really about ethical AI, that's what it's all about. Mm, absolutely. It's interesting what you said about how it's not necessarily at least in the next uh, five to ten years that you're going to be at the the workforce could potentially be replaced, but it's possible that um, you're going to be collaborating with a robot. It's going to be co-working alongside you, um, and it's going to hopefully, rather than replace, it's going to augment the work that humans are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's, that's, that's what I'm hoping to see. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about that then, um, do you have any um, examples you want to share of companies, organisations that are embarking on this transformational journey at the moment? Oh, there's loads of examples. And I think, you know, almost every day you see some new examples coming up in the papers about what people are up to. But um, a couple of examples, like uh, if you take Okado, for example, the, you know, the UK mm -hmm. uh, online supermarket, uh, they're working with um, a University of Lausanne, like the e um, EPLF in, in Switzerland, and also the um, University College London to try and develop cobots to work alongside their human technicians in the warehouse. Um, and that's actually... Uh, some work that's partly funded by um, uh, the EU mm -hmm. uh, as some projects to try and develop these like collaborative robots, if you will, or cobots uh, that can work safely alongside human beings. Mm. Um, uh, but it's not all about just bots, right? Mm. There's, there's lots of other things as well in this and how you're changing the, the work. Uh, for example, if you take AR, VR uh, and simulators um, around this or the way that you can use AR, VR for... for uh, being able to look over somebody's shoulder when they are further away and you can provide expertise help. And there's actually some pretty good examples of that as well. So Honeywell, for example, has uh, uh, just introduced a, a simulator, an AR, VR simulator, so that they can train their workforce in a much faster way uh, and um, to, to do these critical things, like these critical situations you can get into where you only see them maybe once in your lifetime or maybe never, but mm. you can actually train them to react in the, the best, fastest the most efficient way, uh, much quicker than you could do if you used normal uh, training methods. Um, there's also, um, for example, the uh, the European Space Agency. They've used AR uh, for a long time. They, they started out by using it for uh, medical emergency uh, situations. So. Of course, if they send somebody out to space, uh, hopefully, actually, they do always have somebody who is like trained to be able to do medical emergencies. But that one person could, for example, be the one that actually needs help, right? Mm. So, so what they do is that they have like the AR capabilities to then hook up back to experts back on Earth. They can then like uh, talk one of the other crew members through 
what to do and and how to react to it and they're also now using it for maintenance purposes as well so they mm. can they can train that way as well and then of course um there's and i think mo a lot of people or most people might actually have heard of emilia if you're interested in this type of subject i think mm. you would have heard of emilia uh, ip soft um, cognitive agent and they have for example put that into seb which is uh, the biggest bank in sweden and and they're using emilia to automate um uh, customer service, but also uh, the, the handling of the internal IT as well, the internal IT service tasks. Mm. And Amelia supports 15,000 staff in IT, and they address about 200 uh, customer queries a day as well, with an 80% accuracy rate. So you can see there's like some really quite astonishing examples out there already. So that's fantastic. I mean, we could talk about this for hours, and I really would love to, but we're just we're about to run out of time. So any final thoughts that you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, I think um, one thing is like I think uh, anybody who looks at this and, and wants to do something for themselves in their organization, I think you have to really think holistically about it. Um, don't just think this is just automation or just robots or, or, or digital workplace. Look at the company culture as well and, and how you source talent and, and how you can make the technology augment. And you were, you were talking about that before, Miles, mm. augment the workforce, not destroy it. Mm. Right? And because the future is humans and machines, not humans versus machines. This is not a Terminator scenario <laughs> we're talking about, you know. And mm. and I think we're taking that at IDC. We're taking that approach when we look at the whole future of work. So, like in the practice that I, I mentioned at the start, we have more than twenty analysts that are coming together from all of our different research areas to look at this as the most broad spectrum. So, if anybody's interested in talking about that, then you know that would we'll be would we'll be very happy to. Both from a culture perspective, from a workspace, and from and from from a solutions perspective as well. And then finally, I would like to say that actually, if you are more interested in these these types of topics, we have a series of events in IDC that's going to go across the year across Europe. So get in contact with us, and maybe you can join. Absolutely. We'll make sure we put the links to those in the descriptions below this podcast. But uh, that's about all we have time for. So uh, thank you all very much for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. You can join us next time when we discuss another issue affecting the IT industry. Um, in the meantime, you can also follow us on Twitter. We're at IDC underscore Emir. And you can follow Mayanna as well. Are you yeah. on Twitter? Yeah. At Colding. M. Colby, fantastic. Yeah. And uh, we're on LinkedIn, search for us there under IDC, and we're on YouTube too, so we do have a dedicated IDC and a YouTube account with some great content. Please do check the links and subscribe as well. Thank you all very much, and uh, see you next time. Thanks, Miles. Take care.